Hi, M4Edge listeners. Thanks for being curious. I'm Michael Leifman, and this week I learned something new about this whole podcasting thing. I heard from a loyal listener who'd given us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that we hadn't yet given her a shout-out, thank you. But the reason I hadn't thanked her is that I hadn't seen the review. And that's because, it turns out, she lives in Germany. Apparently, you only see the reviews in your own region. So I temporarily switched my region on my phone, and lo and behold, there was the very nice review from M. Stranyard. So, Dankeschön! This is an opportunity for a bit of bragging. Our stats tell us that we have listeners in over 40 countries, which is very cool. Mark and I are really proud of that. So if you're a listener outside of the U.S. and have written us a review, please let us know by sending an email to info at m4edge.com or michael at m4edge or marco at m4edge, and we promise we'll give you a shout-out too. And if you haven't yet written us a review, bitte, per favore, por favor, bivakasha, please do so. Help us spread the word to other curious listeners. With that, let's get on to the show which wraps up our mini-series on additive manufacturing. Yeah, distributed manufacturing will be the norm. I'm relatively confident of this. Um, people will, the old school way of doing things will be absolutely laughable. All these types of technologies will be shifting online. And manufacturing is just an industry that is ripe for disruption um, with clever software and, and clever um, clever tools and, and data and collect data collection. So I think it's inevitable this is going to happen. Our show today is part two of our interview with Ben Redwood of 3D Hubs. Ben is bookending our miniseries on additive manufacturing, otherwise known as 3D printing. In part one with Ben, we spent most of our time discussing the different additive manufacturing techniques, which was a great intro to the next set of episodes. Ben has also written a book about 3D printing, and M4Edge listeners can get part of that book for free by going to www.3dhubs.com forward slash podcast forward slash M4Edge. Also on the 3D Hub site, you can check out their really useful trends report about what's happening in the industry by going to www.3dhubs.com slash get slash trends. In between parts one and two of the Ben interview, we spoke with four fascinating founders of additive manufacturing companies, each with a really amazing technology, each markedly different from the next. They were Greg Mark of Mark Forged, Bob Swartz of Impossible Objects, Nancy Hardwick of Meld Manufacturing, and Blake Teipel of Essentium. If you've missed those, I strongly encourage you to go back and give them a listen. Today, we close the miniseries with Ben and discuss the 3D Hub's business model, which is manufacturing as a service. We discuss the 3D printing industry and its place in the global manufacturing chain. And of course, since Marco can't help himself, we discuss science fiction. Enjoy the conversation. Ben, I wanted to switch gears to, to a question that I think will take us closer to the 3D Hub's story and business model. 
Now that companies are getting more interested, finding more applications for 3D printing, realizing what the power of the technology is, how do you see the adoption taking place? Do companies tend to want to buy the machines or choose the right application, the right machine for their purposes? buy the machines and have them in-house? Do they prefer to start relying on external providers, third-party providers, and so have printing on demand? What trends do you see there? Yeah, very good question. I mean, if you went and the most common question I always get asked at any conference I present at is always, uh, when's the industrial industry going to start accepting us? And when are we going to finally take over the world? And when is all this going to happen? Um, and yeah, I think it's just going to take time. It's disrupted and it's going to take a slice out of all these traditional manufacturing technologies, but everything will still have its place. It's never going to compete with injection molding, making hundreds of millions of parts a year. It's never going to compete with the real accuracy of functional aluminum parts produced by something like CNC machining and it's really nice surface finishes there. So, uh, but it will come in and it'll take slice those industries and, and, um, have a spot that, that it's successful in. Your question about do I think everyone will kind of have a 3D printer or will they be looking at other solutions? Well, that's what we're banking on as 3D Hubs as a company. We think distributed manufacturing is the future of the entire manufacturing industry, irrelevant of whether it's 3D printing or CNC machining or injection molding. Um, And so, yeah, what we truly believe is there's going to be less of people buying these technologies and printers themselves and more turning to uh, online solutions like 3D Hubs to find someone who can get the parts manufactured for them locally. Uh, the the upside to 3D printing is um, for a few thousand dollars, you can have a 3D printer. If you want to buy a CNC machine, you've got to hire uh, some very clever engineers to run it for you and put down a few hundred thousand dollars as well at the same time. Injection molding, a whole nother level upon that. Um, so this is the accessibility we work with a lot of architects who have 3d printers in their offices and they they're using it for producing models and these types of things so yeah i think it really has its place and while it is disruptive it's not going to take over and i think the industry is pretty aware of that but it also we want to get as much of the slice of the pie as we possibly can so that's what's driving the innovation and growth there yeah so this is a good time to to back up a step and tell us what 3d hubs is and does all right, so um, 3D Hubs is a online distributed manufacturing company, and from the very first day that we launched, our goal was to change the face of manufacturing. We wanted to make it easier and accessible um, than anything else, and we saw that it was an industry that was ripe for disruption. So we want manufacturing um, across all technologies to be as simple as ordering shoes on Amazon. You just need to go in, uh, pick what you want, click a few buttons, see a price, pay, and then your parts turn up a few days later. And And this is really what 3D Hubs is all about. So uh, our online solution basically allows customers who have a file, and it's really critical that you have a file for us. Um, we're, we're not responsible for producing that beforehand. Um, that they come to our website, they can upload it onto our checkout. We'll instantly show them a price. We'll instantly give uh, customers uh, feedback on their design, so manufacturing feedback about things they might need to change to make their parts more manufacturable. Um, And then with a click of a button, uh, the parts will go into our vast network of manufacturers that we have all around the world um, as quick as a few seconds in some instances. 
and they'll be picked up and uh, go into production and uh, then customers receive their parts. So we really want to make this something that anyone can do and take over the what is generally a very long tail of traditional manufacturing where there's quotes and there's a lot of back and forth and you're waiting weeks to get something into production. We think that we can accelerate all this and we can be very agile uh, and that's what our whole business model is built around. What's a typical customer look like? Is it um, a consumer looking for a bespoke product like that, like that sneaker, um, you know, custom fitted to their particular foot shape, Mm -hmm. or is it, um, you know, an automotive manufacturer who, who are the customers? So if you went back five years ago in 3d hubs, um, we were very much in the kind of maker consumer scene. Um, we were doing a lot of work, um, producing non-functional parts with non-professional customers as we saw the industry mature, we saw a huge shift in who our customers were. So 3D Hubs um, also did a bit of a pivot and changed our business model to really suit these customers because we saw that more and more and more of them were starting to come in. And I think this was a result of uh, the 3D uh, printing industry maturing and, and the printers becoming much more reliable and the materials becoming more functional. And so suddenly uh, these professional customers were saying, wow, this is really a viable solution that I can look at. Um, and also uh, looking for alternatives to how traditionally their parts were made. So in terms of an actual process level, how, I'm sick of having to deal with a supplier who's messing me around. What's another solution? Uh, there's someone like 3D Hubs online that can just make this whole process a lot easier. How do you find your um, your partners, your suppliers? How do they how do they find you or how do you find them? And tell us about that, arra- that arrangement. I say this with all respect, but traditionally our manufacturing partners aren't very good salespeople and they're probably not very good at marketing themselves either. So there's a really nice marriage between what we have with our manufacturing partners and with, uh, and with 3d hubs and our manufacturing partners are very good at making parts. And so what 3d hubs allows them to do is just do that. We are responsible for bringing in the customers. We're responsible for qualifying. We're responsible for making sure their parts can be manufactured. We're responsible for pricing and we do all of this so that basically we just say to our manufacturing partners, here's something for you to produce. We know you can do it. Um, feel free to take this at the price we'll offer it to you and put it into production straight away. So there's a, it really, really works well, the model that we've set up. Um, and because of this, um, we really don't have to go looking for partners. Uh, once the word kind of gets out or people will land on our website and see how a process works from a manufacturing point of view, um, they, they really want to work with us and they really uh, just have to sit back and watch the orders roll into their computer and, and accept the ones that they want to manufacture and, and go from there. And I think that's something that, manufacturing partners really love about the model that we have in place. So I imagine for this, you'll have to set up a quite robust process of validation, of getting to know your partners and validating that indeed they can deliver what you promise your customers. How difficult and time-consuming is the process? Yeah, good question. I mean, we have a lot of inquiries coming in every week, so we need to be able to sift through the ones that we really want to work with. Um, so we've, we've got a very strict onboarding process um, for all our manufacturing partners who want to join. Um, first of all, they have to go, uh, we'll have a phone call with them and really learn a bit about their company and what they think of 3D Hub's business model and where we think they'll be a good fit. Um, they have to fill, fill out an extensive um, registration form that highlights what their capabilities are and we'll, dis- we'll determine whether based on their location, um, if, that's a, if that's the type of supply we need right now. 
Uh, then we'll also go through a lot of legal documentation. So NDA agreements, protecting our customers' intellectual property is very important for us at 3D Hubs here in, in the digital world of manufacturing. Um, yeah, very strict agreements about delivery and, and things that they need to adhere to. And people drop out uh, along that way. They realize that, that, that this is serious and we're talking about, we can be talking about a lot of, a lot of money in some instances and some uh, really big, well-known customers in industry. Um, and at the same time, uh, when we find the people that really fit into this mold, uh, it takes off and it works really well. Um, if they pass all the original stages, we do some test orders with them. So we've got some really uh, complex test parts we test partners with at 3D Hubs. They'll come in and be inspected by our engineers to check for compliance. Um, and then we have a ramp-up system. So once the supplier is added to our network, um, they'll have access to just a few jobs to start with. And as they continue to perform month over month, we'll open the door. Um, and then essentially the sky's the limit by the end of a, by the end of uh, say a year or so, um, if they've really shown us their metrics are in line with where we need them to be and, and the customers are happy, then um, yeah, we have no reason to kind of let them loose on everything that we have available. And one thing I'm curious about, Ben, is I imagine some of your suppliers will be companies that realize they have fluctuations in demand, which implies that they will have periods of subutilized capacity. And so signing onto your platform is a way of maximizing, improving capacity utilization. Is that an important part of the picture? Or do you also have companies that get into the game specifically to with the purpose of being on a platform like yours so do you do you have companies suppliers that get into the business without any existing clients and just using platforms like 3d hubs as the starting point yeah we certainly do generally i find that's quite technology dependent so a large number of our 3d printing manufacturing partners and their sole form of income or the vast majority of their income is uh, is 3D hubs. Same for some of our CNC partners, but um, generally we find exactly as you said earlier, our CNC partners really like to fit in the 3D hubs orders with, when, when machine times, when machines are down and they have downtime and they want to just keep that factory efficiency running at a really high level. So we're the perfect fit there. And, we, we never force orders upon our um, manufacturing partners. Essentially what we do is we show them a job list um, that continually updates dynamically as we sell uh, parts on 3D hubs and based on their capabilities, they'll see certain jobs and it's completely up to them whether they want to accept or decline um, the orders. They also have the option to counterbid them if they think the price that we display to them um, isn't reflective of what they're able to do at the time. They can counterbid on the ship date, so when the, the actual lead time. They can also offer us manufacturing suggestions that we can then pass on to the customer to say, hey, our manufacturing partner can do this, but they've actually suggested you redesign the part like this to drop your costs and make it much more manufacturable. So there's really nice synergy there. And um, for the people that are using us full-time, they're sitting there watching that job list all day, every day, whereas uh, the other factories that are really trying to fit that, let's say, 10 15% of, of downtime capacity on their machines, they'll just jump onto the job list whenever they know that they want to, oh, yeah, I should fill up the machine this week um, in my scheduling. I've got a bit of free time. Let's slot through some 3D hubs orders in there as well. So you guys have been in business for a few years, but you've not experienced a recession yet right? <laughs> no, we've been, we've been so, pretty lucky. Yeah. So, you know, without, without making any bets on when it's coming, it'll, it'll come eventually. Do you think this is a business model that is recession proof? Yes, but you need to be smart about how you set up your business in this situation. So I think to be completely transparent, 3D Hubs originally started with just a focus on 3D printing. Um, and this is what we did for the first four years of our business. But we saw that 
the industry wasn't growing as quickly as we we originally thought it would. Um, and there was a cap on um, the growth that really wasn't where we wanted it to be. Um, and as a result of this, uh, we looked at other manufacturing technologies. And this was also driven by our customers, actually. So a lot of customers were coming to 3D Hubs, ordering 3D printed parts, really liking the experience of distributed manufacturing and a completely online service and saying, hey, could you help me with an injection mold order? Or, hey, could you help me with CNC? When we first started the company, I don't think that was really on the radar, but that in conjunction with the 3D printing market not growing as quickly as we hoped and and us kind of having a saturation point there, uh, we said, why don't we do this? Why don't we take the lessons we've learned from building a great software for 3D, uh, a great online platform for 3D printing and add other manufacturing technologies? And so we did that for CNC machining and it was very successful. We did that for injection molding. And now the sky's the limit. We've got a very scalable model uh, where we can add things like casting, uh, printed circuit boards, um, all these type of flat plate profiling. There's a whole raft of other manufacturing solutions that we can come up with that we can just kind of tack on as we adopt our software. And as long as we're across all these types of industries, I think we'll be pretty safe. And also it's got to be easy. It's got to be something that's just easier than other solutions. And, Distributed manufacturing is very good at that. And distributed services are in general. So something like Uber, um, it's just so easy. And that's just a really robust business model from our point of view. I think even more than the recession proof, as an economist, I like to think that almost nothing is recession proof. But I think the uh, another interesting twist here is uh, the geographical distribution of manufacturing. And we've seen signs of... uh, manufacturing, reshoring, certainly in the U.S. And so I'm wondering if you see your model and the spread of 3D printing as contributing to a rebalancing of manufacturing towards advanced economies like the U.S. and Europe, and I guess necessarily for a period at least away from emerging markets. Yeah, I think... The important thing you've got to think about customers is customers like choice. Consumers, we really like to be able to decide what we want. And this causes a lot of problems for me and my wife when we're trying to pick a Netflix movie. But uh, from a consumer point of view, I think it's something that's really, really important is we like to have choice. And so we have manufacturing partners in all locations around the world, including parts of China. Um, And we give our customers the option to say, would you like this manufactured locally and we can get it to you quickly? Or would you like to get this manufactured at a reduced price with one of our manufacturing partners in China and really opening up that choice to consumers and then ask us in a year's time, um, what's the behavior we're seeing? Maybe we'll see a trend to consumers really uh, happy to pay that premium to get parts made locally and to drive the industry growth um, back into uh, where they're located in places like Europe and America. Do you feel like because you're at the center of these different geographies and markets and um, types of production processes, do you feel like there might be you might be in a position to also see sort of early warning signs of um, economic shifts, either headwinds or tailwinds. Yeah, very good question. I think we as a startup and as a manufacturing company, we're all about data and uh, we really want to collect everything that's coming in and predict what's going to kind of happen and what, what we see kind of changing and make sure that whatever we offer to our customers or our suppliers really fairly reflects what's going on in the industry. So uh, the fact we've produced now more than 2 million parts puts 3D hubs in a really strong position to be able to see these kind of trends and, 
And that's really what our trend report is about. And that's why we're so proud of it. We're kind of pulling all this information that we have um, and showcasing this to to our customers and to our users to say, hey, this is what we're seeing. Um, and this is your heads up about how things are kind of changing. And when you really put all the trend reports in a line, you start to tell a great story about this industry and how it's adapting and how that pie chart, the segments are kind of shifting and moving and growing as well. I was silent because I was uh, thinking silently on how on how 3D printing and the 3D hubs model is likely to reshape uh, not just the way manufacturing works, but also how the role it plays in the economy. And what I'm thinking about is uh, as uh, a comparison is the way that the fracking has changed the dynamics of the oil and gas industry by creating a, a big pocket of that industry, which seems to be a lot more flexible and able to react rapidly to changes in conditions in supply and demand. And so I'm wondering, I don't have the answer, but I'm wondering if uh, the rise of 3D printing and platforms like 3D hubs will give manufacturing a similarly greater degree of flexibility and responsiveness, which would allow not just your model, Ben, to be ideally recession-proof, but it would also allow the economy overall to adapt with greater flexibility and smoothness to fluctuations in the business cycle. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this, given what you see with your customers. Yeah, I think our strength really is transparency. So um, maybe if you look at some of the issues in the past with the economy, there was dis- there was too much disconnect between a customer and a supplier or a customer and the manufacturer. Um, 3D Hubs is really trying to eliminate that. So the pricing that we show to customers we feel is very reflective of what is going on in the market at the time. And our pricing is is something that we change uh, to make sure that we are actually reflecting what suppliers are accepting orders for and what customers are actually willing to pay. Um, And that means we've got some fluidity there in how we manipulate price. And this means as a consumer, you see this, it's transparent, it's shown to you straight away. And as a supplier, you also see kind of what, what the customers are, uh, are purchasing and what prices they're paying. So opening up that whole area of communication and showcasing both sides of the argument exactly, uh, sorry, both sides of the of the table, exactly what's going on and, and how this is kind of adapting and moving, I think it is really, really important. And it, it all comes back to just a whole level of transparency. So everyone is in the know and suddenly suppliers are being blindsided by huge costs that we're expecting them to make parts by. And the same for consumers. Suddenly they don't see a 30% price spike out of nowhere. Um, and and the, the nature of 3D hubs and the data that we utilize allows us to be very clever about how we show that and how we open up that transparency. I can't believe it was the non-energy guy of the two of us that came up with the fracking analogy, but it's, <laughs> I got to give it to you. It's actually kind of brilliant. And so let me, let me go into this a little bit more. So first of all, like, Fracking, 3D printing is a technology that actually was around for a long time before it suddenly became mainstream and um, you know the focus of attention. And like fracking, 3D printing is also sort of a collection of technologies. Fracking is you know maybe two or three things as opposed to a dozen things, but it's not just one specific thing. But most importantly, kind of to your point, I think it has the potential. Fracking is now since about 2014, maybe 15, fracking has become sort of the swing producer, the, the 
um, shale producers, particularly in the United States, have become the, the swing producer for the global supply of oil and natural gas. And so, so I'm wondering, in fact, if 3D printing and maybe manufacturing as a service generally is now positioning itself to be the global supply chain swing producer, right? It, will it have the effect that fracking seems to have of not just making the, the supply more elastic, but the second part of that equation, making prices actually more moderate in manufacturing generally? Yeah, I think distributed services and 3D hubs in particular, we really want to position ourselves as this is the market price um, and we'll use all the information. Uh, and so we essentially become the stock market for manufacturing where if you want to come in and see what's a good price to pay for a part, 3D hubs is the is the go-to resource there. If you're looking to design a part and you want to see uh, exactly what the costs will be, 3D hubs gives you a fair representation. And so in the manufacturing side, there's always been this kind of black box about how suppliers really price parts and having visited a lot of our manufacturing partners and learning about how they do this, uh, it's very complicated and everyone has their own approach and they all do it a different way. Um, what 3D Hubs does is we don't really care about any of that. We just want to know what the market's doing and we want our pricing to fairly fairly reflect that. And so we're, we're really trying to simplify that all down and just say, look, this is what we're seeing consumers buy things for and this is what we're seeing suppliers make things for. Um, combining those two sources of information mean that we can really show a fair market price and that just opens up transparency for everyone. And so 3D Hubs really becomes the stock market for manufacturing in that sense. I had a follow-up question which uh, goes, well, it speaks to my fascination with the science fiction. I, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, but it also goes to the point you made earlier, Ben, of how the spread and growth of 3D printing is also at the same time widening the range of materials or raw materials that we are using that we can use. And so I'm now wondering, and you, and you also talked about how in terms of a geographical spread of production, Part of what happens with 3D printing is bringing the production closer to the customers. We talked about the potential impact on producers of intermediate parts. But does anything, will anything need to change in the way that we distribute raw materials for 3D printing? And my science fiction thought comes from The Diamond Age, which is a book we've discussed with Michael in a different podcast. We discussed Diamond Age with Dipan Das of Sorcero in episode two. If you missed that one, I highly encourage you to go back and check it out, especially if you're at all a sci-fi fan um, or a fan of workplace learning, which is what Sorcero is about using artificial intelligence. It's a very fun episode. But it depicts a world where 3D printing has really been commoditized. Everybody has a matter compiler in their houses. But that also comes with the equivalent of electricity and water distribution. So you literally have pipelines of raw materials networked through the world, bringing the material in every home. Yeah, wow. It's perhaps far-fetched, but do you see anything needing to change in terms of the infrastructure of raw material distribution? Little drones instead of the pipelines. I mean, come on, that's obvious. <laughs> yeah, Amazon's already doing that, aren't they? Um, yeah, good question. I, 
yeah, really hard for me to answer, to be honest. I think all these materials have a big dependence on oil in 3D printing. Um, so let's watch this space and see what happens in that market over the next five to 10 years. But yeah, I think from my point of view, we've just got to be smarter about how we reuse things. And um, yeah, the kind of solutions like something in-house that just recycles all your plastic for you so that you can use it to create whatever you need again and, and kind of having this closed loop is something that I find particularly um, particularly interesting and something I'd really throw some weight behind and say, this is this is a good idea. This is what we should do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tough question. Uh, uh. Aside from the um, <laughs> materials impacts and reuse, do you see a focus in the industry on energy intensity of the, of the products? I, I know that with light weighting, uh, many of the products produce less energy intensive final goods, but how about the production themselves? Is there a move to make the production processes less energy intensive somehow? Yeah, I'm sure there is, but I think again, the people who are purchasing the 3d printers are really govern this and the printers that are better at this as uh, I mean, it's a very large part of society for us in 2019. We'll just get more and more market share. So, um, people become more energy conscious they'll just purchase the energy conscious printers first it's not but you don't see technologically you don't see that there's a, a no i don't i don't really see it as a major thing that um that any 3d printers really market themselves on too much i think a lot of it's really around speed um so how quickly can you produce the parts the recyclability of the materials um and uh, and in a sense also kind of the range of what, what can one 3d printer do, how many different materials and how many different applications can I use with one 3d printer? We can, we can shift towards, you know, the, the wrap up stage soon. Any, anything else, yeah. Marco, you want to ask? No, nothing, nothing more esoteric on my mind. <laughs> uh, you, guys, you, you guys have given me a good uh, mental workout here. So thank you very much. Oh no, this has been, this has been awesome. So, so then let's ask our typical wrap up question, which is look ahead 20 years. And how do you see this industry unfolding? What, what does it look like? What does manufacturing look like? Um, and where's 3D hubs? Yeah, distributed manufacturing will be the norm. I'm relatively confident of this. Um, people will, the old school way of doing things will be absolutely laughable. All these types of technologies will be shifting online. And manufacturing is just an industry that is ripe for disruption um, with clever software and, and clever um clever tools and, and data and collect data collection. So I think it's inevitable this is going to happen. Fortunately for us, we're one of the first people that uh, that drove this forwards. And so I think 3D hubs will really be at the forefront. We've got, we've got big dreams and we're seeing a lot of growth here at, at 3D hubs and it's really got us very excited. Um, as I said, we've had a big shift in who our customers are that are utilizing our platform. Um, and I just think this is going to keep compounding over and over again. Um, where you think about going back to the days of, uh, I mean, I, I hate to think how many purchases now purely happen online with something like Amazon compared to people going to actual uh, standard retail shops on foot. Uh, and this is exactly what's going to happen with the manufacturing industry. It, everyone's just going to want to do it online with a few clicks. They're going to want instant feedback on pricing or manufacturing. Um, and we're seeing this now. It's just going to take maybe some of the slower, bigger industry adopters to, to really jump onto it. And then it'll, people will ever wonder how we did without it. We'll uh, we'll come back in twenty years and we'll see how that that holds up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all pull up in our three D printed cars at the same time. That sounds good to me. 
or in our in our you know if marco has his way we're gonna have this podcast on mars so. <laughs> yeah great <laughs> <laughs> fantastic all right well thank you so much ben this has been great yeah thank you guys i really appreciate the opportunity it's been thanks congratulations congratulations on your book and best of luck for the future of 3d hubs if you liked this episode this miniseries or the show in general please do forward it to a friend post it on social media and help us spread the word we've got some great shows coming up including ones on education tech and workplace learning on mobility as a service and even our first ever live audience show which we recorded at american university so stay tuned in the meantime thanks for listening to macro micro michael marco and startups at the edge